Yeah, the Giants did come all the way back in that game in Arizona last week. The problem was the good fortune didn't follow them for the entirety of their week three opening contest Thursday night in San Francisco. Welcome to the latest edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Friday, September 22nd. For those listening live, a touch after 7 p.m. on the East Coast. We've got a huge week in college football. You know, Every week is important, particularly if you're in those that upper echelon with the teams that are competing for legitimate shots at playing in the final year of the college football playoff with four teams. Because, again, it goes to 12 next year. The games last week, outside of the, the tight rope that Florida State walked against Boston College, not a great schedule. Complete opposite this week. We'll get into the major games, breakdown and picks as well. I'm going to give you my NFL straight-up outright picks for week three, also it started Thursday with San Francisco's 18-point win over the Giants. And we've got the final stretch of the regular season in Major League Baseball. And that's where I want to start today. Um, we've been talking in the last couple of weeks about everything that's taken place in this American League West. And for good reason. This has been the division to watch as you come down the stretch. You've got Baltimore, Tampa Bay, two teams in the American League who have clinched postseason berths in the National League, Atlanta and L.A. have locked up the NL East and West divisions, respectively. It's open season in the American League West still, and we have minor changes from a race perspective. It was Astros, Rangers, Mariners in that order a week ago, with the Rangers a half game out, Mariners a game and a half out. Look at it today. For those listening live Friday, September 22nd, Astros 85 and 68. They wrap up the, the season in Arizona, but they've got three upcoming in Seattle, September 25th to 27th. That's huge. And then look what you have with Texas and Seattle, both 84 and 68 at the start of this show. The Rangers are on the road for three in Anaheim. Then they wrap up the season in Seattle. Seattle ends its season with three against Houston before, again, they bring in Texas for four to wrap up the regular season. Deadlocked right now with identical records, a half game behind the Astros. Playoff started today. Houston wins the division. So this final stretch here, Specifically, you would think, because I think we all believe, and I do too, if, you, if you're putting prognostication on it, Houston's going to find a way to make the playoffs. If, even if one of Texas or Seattle beats them out for the AL West, they'll backdoor it as a wild card team. And many of us were leaving Texas for dead a couple of weeks ago 
with that lousy stretch they had where they had a team ERA north of seven. They couldn't buy a win. And here they are now potentially on the cusp of really winning the division in Bruce Bochy's first year. But it's going to really boil down to what happens in that season-ending series, the four-gamer in Seattle between Texas and the Mariners. You know, this is a Mariner team that broke a 20-plus-year stretch last season without going to the playoffs, thanks to the heroics of Cal Raleigh late there, young uh, budding catcher. The four games between Texas and Seattle will not only decide a playoff spot, it could decide the division, depending on what Houston does around that. You know, if you break that down of these teams, yeah, Houston, I think, is going to go to the playoffs. It's a coin flip with Texas and Seattle. Teams know each other well, a barrage of talent on both sides. This is good. I mean, this is theater-type stuff. This is what you want, folks, toward the end of a season. Unofficially, the playoffs have been going on for two weeks as teams jockey around. Case in point, you've got the Orioles still holding a slight lead over Tampa in the AL East. Both of them know they're going to the playoffs. It's just a matter of who's going to win the AL East. Right now, it's Baltimore. And then you've got the three-team race for the in the American League for wildcard spots. We know about Seattle and Texas. Houston leads the West. But you've got Toronto in that mix as well. And oddly enough, even with identical records coming down to tiebreakers, if the playoffs started today, the Mariners would be the odd man out. Because here's what the AL looks like. Today, on Friday, September 22nd, top seed Orioles, two seed Astros, by the skin of their teeth. Last week, it was Seattle at number two. So how things change in just seven days. Twins locked in at number three, Rangers at six right now. Last week, that was Seattle. And then you've got the Rays and the Jays at number five. That number five spot seven days ago was Texas. So Seattle's on the outside looking in right now via tiebreakers. You take a look at the National League. you got Braves-Dodgers in-in. Two best teams in the National League, probably in baseball, throw the Orioles in there all season long consistently. Atlanta's ridiculous. They're a freight train. Then you've got the Brewers and the Cubs in that final wildcard spot. Last week in that sixth spot, it was Arizona. If the playoffs started today, the 4-5 matchup would be Philadelphia, and Arizona. In that sixth spot just seven days ago, it was the Cubs. And right now, despite being very much in the hunt, the Cubs, as well as the Cincinnati Reds, are on the outside peeking through the door. So as good as those teams have been, as good as the Cubs have been, as good as the Reds have been following, uh, uh, coming off a season that was one of the worst in franchise history, if the postseason started today, both would be out. Now, Cincinnati, in untimely fashions, dropped their last two. The Cubs are 3-7 and seven across their last 10. They've got a game advantage over Cincinnati as both of them fight to get back into wild card positioning. Because as you break that down now, you know, this is a Texas team, a Seattle team that's right there. Toronto's in if it starts today. Texas is in if it started today. Seattle would be out. Cubs, Reds, out if it started today. Mere percentage points here. The Miami Marlins still very much in the mix. Just a half game out. So things are getting really, really interesting, and it's these season-ending series, particularly in that American League West, that are going to leave a lot of opportunity and theatrics for those of us watching from home or attending those games live. If you're a fan of one of those teams in the city, you've got something to look forward to every night. You're, You're sitting on pins and needles, elevated heart rate. I get it. Believe me, I live it. That's why they call us fanatics, right? Fan. This is what you sign up for if you're, the, if you're a player. Seattle's looking to go back-to-back trips to the postseason. 
Texas, a fringe team, is now back in that limelight again. They're trying to get back to the postseason, as is Toronto. Texas, Seattle, Houston, one of those three teams, possibly even two, are going to be out of the tournament. Those are damn good baseball teams that won't get an invitation to the dance because of how balanced out this American League has been and loaded up. I mean, you got juggernaut franchises historically like the Yankees who aren't even sniffing this. The San Diego Padres, the darlings of the offseason. Not even remotely close. The Mets, an afterthought. You've got really good teams competing for those final spots. This is what you want down the final stretch. So from my perspective, to tell you what you should be watching, you're going to want to tune into that season-ending series between Seattle and Texas. That's four games. That's playoff atmosphere baseball. You're going to want to be lockstep with what the Diamondbacks are doing, what the Cubs are doing, what the Cincinnati Reds are doing. Because it's coming down to the wire. Two weeks ago, there was minimal room for error. Now there's no room for error on September 22nd. You take a look at at what is happening right now. And I'll say it again. Postseason's already underway. Playoffs begin October 2nd or October 3rd, I believe. Last day of the regular season, October 1st. So it's crunch time. Officially crunch time. This is going to be good stuff. I can't remember the last time I was excited for a series that didn't include the New York Yankees as a lifelong Yankee fan, as I am for that final four gamer between Seattle and Texas. Can't wait. And this three-game set between Houston, who's still holding the slim advantage over the Rangers and Mariners, that three-game set, September 25th to 27th against Seattle, where Houston has to go on the road? Yeah. There's a reason I've pinpointed this American League West and have been beating a dead horse for the last couple of weeks. Deservedly so. It's where the best baseball of significance is being played right now, unless you're a diehard fan of the National League and you don't want to watch anything else. If you're a baseball fan, you're paying attention to this AL West coming down the stretch. And we've got you covered throughout going into the postseason right here on Sports Today with Peter J. It's going to be fun. We've got everything covered for you. Sua looks, throws, touchdown Tyreek Hill! Howe slinging it to the end zone. Was it caught? Yes, McLaurin! Touchdown! Off the play fake. Oh, it's an option. Tannehill will keep it himself. Tannehill throws it First down, Goff protected, going end zone, Reynolds, hangs on, touchdown! Pressure coming again, Goff hit as he throws, and it's intercepted! There is Trey Brown, open to the end zone, and he's going to score! A lot of great action, week two of the NFL. There's always good action any week in the NFL, right? If you're, especially if you're a, you're a big supporter of the league and, and you eat, sleep, and breathe football, Week two was fun. You you got the, uh, the New York, a New York Giant team coming off one of the most embarrassing losses in franchise history. And then they play a terrible opening 30 minutes against an Arizona team that's not very good. Now, wins in the NFL should never be poked fun at because it ain't easy to do. Giants, a six-and-a-half-point favorite, on the road after losing by 40 in shutout fashion, looked absolutely terrible for 30 minutes of football. Six quarters they went without a point. Couldn't get out of their own way. And then the quarterback that everybody loves to hate bails them out. Doesn't follow them to San Francisco Thursday night for the start of week three. More on that in a minute. But the Giants even up at one and one. You get the Crosstown Jets. Going down to Dallas, they bring a big barrage of Jet fans there who traditionally travel pretty well. Go down to Dallas, they lose by 20, 30 to 10. Zach Wilson throws three picks, 
everybody's annihilating Zach Wilson. No, he didn't play well. I get it. You watch that Jet game against Dallas? You're looking to play the blame game? It's easy to blame Zach Wilson with three picks. One of them was terrible. Tell me a time recently where you saw the Jets' defense play as bad as they have. Because from my perspective, my point of view, Sauce Gardner for two weeks has not looked good. Now, the initial matchup week one with Stephon Diggs, cool. He's a top five receiver in the National Football League. Understandable, bad night. Press coverage not working. Guy's going over the middle. He's getting open. Oh, by the way, he's got Josh Allen throwing the football. Josh Allen didn't play well week one because the Jets' defense was disruptive. It was completely different for the Jets against Dak and Co. in Dallas. And that's two weeks in a row for the Dallas Cowboys, who, by the way, are a very, very good football team, where they didn't have to reinvent the wheel offensively because their defense was paving the way. Seven sacks against the Giants, pressure on Wilson, forced the turnovers, eliminate the run game. Brees Hall, ineffective. Dalvin Cook, ineffective. Tight ends, ineffective. Offensive line, defense, brutal. Absolutely brutal. And what's frustrating, you know, even for me, as someone who watches the Jet game, I mean, I've been a lifelong Giant fan. I like the makeup of this Jets team. You, you're still probably hung over from the Rodgers disaster, which is understandable. You don't want to see that happen to anybody. This is a Jet team that's going to have to lean on its defense. But if the defense is going to play the way it played week two against Dallas, pack it in now. Save yourself the anxiety because that was pathetic. Usage in that game for Brees Hall, I didn't agree with either. He was an absolute machine against Buffalo in an emotional victory. How many times, by the way, you, you have the roller coaster of a quarterback of the caliber of Aaron Rodgers going down when he's making this monumental debut? How many times have you seen in history the Jets lose that game, right? We've read that book, chapter and verse, a couple times. And they reverse the script and get a gutty victory and then just completely lay a freaking egg in Dallas. Not too many people expected the Jets to go down there and win. I get it. I didn't expect the Giants to win Thursday night in San Francisco, as we'll talk about that in a little more. But the Giants played hard. The Jets laid down in Dallas. And that's what's frustrating. Because personally, I didn't see that coming. I didn't think the Jets would get their doors blown off in Dallas. 30 to 10, it wasn't even that close. Man, if you're the Cowboys, can, can you play New York teams every week? Just a complete beatdown after the mass murder they committed against the Giants. I was a little, I, I was thrown off by that. Did I think Wilson would be a little bit better? Yes. But again, a Dallas Cowboy defense like this is going to cause problems for, they'd cause problems for a Kansas City team. Doesn't mean they beat them. But their defense is that good that you can be disruptive of anyone, of any caliber play, uh, quarterback or team you're going to play. That's how good Dallas's defense is. Even with the news earlier in the week that Trayvon Dings is going to miss the remainder of the season because he tore his ACL in practice, which is horrific. To see this happen to any player is one thing. A talented player like Diggs, it's gut-wrenching. That being said, this Dallas defense still is that good. But you've got to come prepared, and know what you're up against. Schematically, there was nothing there for the Jets up front. So I don't put that on, again, Daniel Jones, fans like to hammer him. People look forward to slamming Zach Wilson. And I get it. He hasn't been particularly good. But if you're, if you're solely saying that the Jets were embarrassed in Dallas, because of the three picks Zach Wilson threw, I do have a problem with that. I think you're starting to learn a little bit more about Rob Sala, too. I know the players love him, but you can't get up for that game. Coming off an emotional victory, losing your star quarterback. I get it. It sucks. 
at the end of the day, the guy is 39 freaking years old. But you get the division win at home, crowd pumped up, overtime, punt return, touchdown. They didn't look ready to go in Dallas. That's coaching. Week one, Giants, Cowboys, not ready to go. That's on Dable. Week two is on the coaching staff of the Jets as much as it on the defense and that putrid offensive line. I, I just improved from recent times, sure, like the Giants. Not anywhere remotely close to where it needs to be, even if Aaron Rodgers was your quarterback. Uh, we got a call on the line. Uh, who's this, Vin? What's up, Pete? Hey, Vin, what's going on, man? You still you can't put your name in the profile? I don't know how to do these things. I'm not very technologically sound. I got you. What's up? I, I know I know what's up. First of all, I'm right, I'm right near your house in the Miggy Shopping Center. There's about okay. nine cops accosting one guy right now. So Excellent. walking Sounds around fun. there. <laughs> so they weren't winning that game if Johnny Unitas came out of the time. No, correct. I, I didn't think they would, but then my point is here they laid down they might, like. they might be 0 2 if Aaron Rodgers played the first game. Okay? First, Fair point. Aaron Rodgers Aaron Rodgers played three plays and the guy was running for his life. This coaching staff, this GM, how do you have a 38-year-old tackle coming off injury protecting a 39-year-old quarterback and another guy at right tackle hasn't played in two years? How do you go into the season like that? How? I don't, I don't understand. The defense, Pete, you there? Yes, I am. You got me? All right, it looks like we lost Vinny. So hopefully we're able to get him back. I, you know where he's going. Yeah, the Brown wasn't good. We know the Jet offensive line isn't spectacular. There's not, we don't, it's beating a dead horse. And I, I don't want to do that because, again, the makeup of this Jet team is sound. Defensively, right? If you're looking a paper warrior, on paper they're really, really good. Well, the proof's going to be in the pudding on the field. And for all the things they did well against Buffalo week one, it was completely 180 the other way against Dallas. Where I will agree, and this is where I make the parallels here between the Giants and the Jets this year, how you go into a season with an offensive line like that. Someone goes down, you've got a serious problem. I think it's worse from the Giants' perspective, and I'll get to that in a second. But yeah, there were opportunities here for the Jets to address it a little bit better than they did, at least from my perspective. Doesn't mean I'm correct. It's just my opinion. I don't think they did, a, obviously, a good enough job there. You saw that with Rodgers going down, and then you saw it again against Dallas. The caveat there being the Cowboys might have the best defense in football. Pete! So you can excuse some things. Pete He's up. back. What's up, Vin? Yes. Are you good? Vincent? I don't know. I don't know what's going on. So, again, yes, this, this changes should be made moving forward. We'll see how they manage that. Uh, just quickly around the league before I get into what took place uh, with the Giants. I got you mentioned the... Uh, the Trayvon Diggs um, injury tore his ACL in practice Thursday. Terrible. Out for the season. You've got some rookie quarterback news that came out this week as well. No Anthony, Richard, Anthony Richardson for the Colts this weekend. He's still in concussion protocol. Um, he's going to miss the game. Gardner Minshew uh, will start in his place. And then for Carolina, Bryce Young's out for the next one, possibly two weeks um, for the Panthers. Sprained ankle. So that's big news there. That means Sunday in Seattle, Andy Dalton is going to get the start for Carolina. So some big news there uh, out of the rookie quarterback department um, for the Colts and the Panthers. You talk about this Giants team, and this is where we can go now. They've had some conversations with Justin Pugh, potentially reuniting there. Uh, with the tackle guard coming off um, significant injury as he continues to rehab. 
It would be a veteran presence in the locker room, and if he's healthy, he can go. I think it's a match made in heaven. That being said, we'll we'll see if that happens down the road because we know the Giants, like the Jets, need help up front. This isn't a bad Giants team. It's not. They are not a bad football team. But if you watch the game last night against San Francisco, emotional comeback victory week two, 20-0 deficit to start the game. Jones brings them back. They get a win on the road. It's a win in the National Football League. Awesome one and one. You go into San Francisco, who's one of the darling picks to win the whole damn thing this year. One of the things I wanted to look at in depth at the end of last night's game were the metrics. How much time did Daniel Jones have to throw? From the snap to when he was being pressured. Daniel Jones, in that game, and this is not my opinion, this is mathematical fact, he was pressured on more than half of his dropbacks, and the average time from when he dropped back to when he was pressured was 2.2 seconds. Folks, you know what happened to this Giants team week one. That 2.2 seconds is faster than that dumpster fire against Dallas. Faster. Now, San Francisco's got some freaks on that defense, like Dallas does. Bosa leading the way. The Giants' offensive line was stuck in mud again. Now, does the quarterback have to make up for that? Yes. Did he? No. Arizona, fine. Never had time in Dallas. Even with opportunities, Daniel is going to have to play better. Everybody knows that. 2.2 seconds on half of your dropbacks to get rid of the damn football. And your third-round draft pick, rookie wide receiver Jalen Hyatt, plays nine snaps. Well, we couldn't, we couldn't stretch the field. So you're telling me that that kid was drafted just to run down the field for 50, 60-yard bombs. He can't run a seam. He can't go over the middle. You can't set up a slant or a screen for the kid. The Giants need all the speed at their disposal particularly from guys like Jalen Hyatt and Wandale Robinson, who debuted last night because he's finally healthy again. And you're just not seeing it. It doesn't help that they didn't have potentially the best left tackle in football last night, Andrew Thomas. Left guard Ben Bredesen was a late scratch due to a concussion. And if I have to continue to sit here and watch New York Giants football and watch Shane Lemieux start, I'm going to have a heart attack because this is, I cannot wrap my head around the fact that we are now here with Brian Dable and Joe Shane, and we still have the same offensive line issues from the end of the Tom Coughlin era. From Coughlin to Dable, there's been four coaches, coaches, including the two of them, and two GMs, and still, Outside of the Andrew Thomases of the world and this kid, John Michael Schmitz, who looks like he's a player in the starting center, the New York Giants, of all teams, who historically have been known for hit-you-in-the-mouth football, run the football, and be bulky up front, cannot figure out how to solidify a strong offensive line. It's like living in the twilight zone. How this is even possible to me, it's egregious. And it makes no sense that it continues to happen. What they're going to wind up doing is wasting. Despite the fact that, yes, you'd like to see him play better, they're going to wind up wasting the talent that Daniel Jones has because he's got a lot. The kid's a player. But when you have 2.2 seconds on your dropbacks, to throw the damn football and you're getting no protection up front. Now, Izudu and McKeithen were good. It's been basically this right side of the line. Evan Neal has not played well. When Lemieux's in the game, he has not played well. Add into the fact in the Thursday night game that the defense could not get off the field on third down, and it's a perfect storm. It's a touchdown game into the fourth quarter. 
they had a shot here. They were competitive. Now, the fact that this offensive line is not playing well does not mean that this team is not playing hard. They're just not good up front. The offensive line collectively as a cohesive unit is not good. In the National Football League, that's bad, to put it in grammar school terms. And this has been something that has been problematic for the New York Giants, and it didn't start overnight. This has been going on for years. You want to say they kept Eli Manning for too long? That's great. I don't disagree with you. But they sure as hell weren't protecting him down the back end either. To get the most out of him at the end of his career when they have some pretty damn talented teams like they do now. I still think they need an alpha receiver. You obviously need more up front. And you probably need another linebacker that can move laterally. I was very impressed with Micah McFadden last night. But you got to get more. You've got to generate a pass rush, get off the field on third down on defense. But this is going to start up front offensively with the Giants. If they can't figure out a way to fix it, they're not going anywhere. And I don't want to be unrealistic because this is a talented football team, just like the Jets. Jets got the issues at the quarterback spot. Giants shouldn't have that. They can't protect the damn kid, and it's problematic now. You saw it last night. The defense is on that table to blame as well. But if you're not protected number eight, you ain't going anywhere, especially when Barkley's not on the field and you might not have him for a couple of weeks. That being said, we got Mike on the line. Mike, what's going on? Hey, Pete, how are you? What's up? I totally agree with you about the offensive line. You know, people talk about all, all kinds of things that are wrong with the Giants, and it starts with the line. You're absolutely right. And I don't understand how we we can't draft, although the center I like. He's the first. Yeah, he's played. You know, he got hammered for that bad snap week one against Dallas. A lot of that butterfly effect took over. The kid's been solid. Yeah, I think he can play. But, and I was very disappointed in Neil because coming out of the draft, I honestly liked him. And and I was dead wrong. It hasn't worked out. I mean, it's, it's you're, you're working on year two here. So, you know, th there is time. I mean, you make the comparisons with how Andrew Thomas was his first year from year one to year two and on into year three. Now he's widely considered to be, if not the best left tackle in football, uh, one of the best left tackles in football when yeah. he's on the field. The problem is learning on the fly here with Evan Neal on a team that's coming off a postseason uh, campaign which in which they won a playoff game is going to be a hard pill for a lot of Giants Nation to swallow. Yeah. And when you, when you draft the lineman number one, offensive lineman, and he doesn't work out, it sets your franchise back a couple of years. It's a disaster. Yeah, you use a, a top ten pick there. It's it would it's like swinging and missing on a quarterback. It's Absolutely. That important. So I'm you know, and it's and Mike again as as always. Thanks for the call. Look, it this is you know bringing up the offensive line. It's you know I've used the term before. If here it's really not beating a dead horse because if you're watching the same game, I'm watching. It stands out. It's there. Now, the good thing is you've got a quarterback who's mobile. you got a quarterback that has mobility who can extend plays when he's not running for his life. And you want to see the opportunity that Jones had last year when he got hot, taking the Giants into the playoffs, when they were able to protect him. The complete night and day here, it just blows my mind. This is why it, it might not be the sexiest option to a lot of Giant fans to potentially bring back a 33-year-old Justin Pugh. But if he's ready to roll, you know he's a good player. He knows the franchise. He's familiar with this staff. He knows what the team is trying to accomplish, and he buys in. Let's see. You know, I don't see why not. Is that going to solve the problems? No. But would it potentially make him better? Yes. And you got a team that's talented, especially when Barkley comes back when he's ready to roll with what he coined uh, on his own, a high ankle sprain, which sounds horrible. Right. We'll see. Vin, you back? Yeah. Vinny, what's up? 
Vin, you, Vin, got, you me? got me? Pete, yeah. Go ahead. Hold on, Pete. I can't hear you. I have issues today, Pete. Vin, you got me? All right. I don't I don't I don't know what he's doing. So Pete, again. I got you. All right, go. What's up? Pete, you there now? I got you. Yes. Okay. All right, no, no, no. Just going through the going through the Jets and the Giants. I'm gonna start with the Giants first. Evan Neal was a bust from day one. You didn't mention Kayvon Thibodeau because he, he is terrible. Remember we talked about this last year? How I told you he gets pushed around by every good offensive lineman? Yep. It's just he, he can't – the guys push him once and he's done. He can't get no pressure on the quarterback. And when he does get pressure, they let him get pressure and they screen to his side, as we've seen five times last night. Yes. They just – he's so stupid. They screen – He had, there was a play on a screen pass where if he would have put his arms up because he's tall – he, he, he puts his arms off after the guy throws the ball. He is one stupid football player. I just have to say that. Evan Neal, they just have to give up on. He's done. He's never going to be good. He's never going to be good. And the Jet fans have to stop with bashing Zach Wilson. Your defense is supposedly the 85 Bears. What happened first drive? 75 yards, nine minutes. The 85 Bears ever do that, Pete? Hey, that Jet defense last week was not good. It was it was absolute Swiss cheese. The coaching, I've been saying about Salah for three years now. He's not a head coach. You, McCarthy was playing with them. You know, he was playing with them. And I thought Hackett was this innovative genius. Where is could, – could, could you get Xavier Gibson the ball? The guy just ran a, a touch. You see how quick the guy is, right? You see how quick Xavier Gibson is? They, they got something with this kid. Give him the ball. Can I have a jet sweep? Where's Hardman? Where's Lazard? Where are these guys? Exactly. Where, where are these guys? Zach Wilson played a good first half. If his arm doesn't get hit on that pass to Garrett Wilson, it's a tie ball game. Did you see that play in the corner of the end zone? Yes. If, his arm, if his arm doesn't yes. get hit, that's a touchdown pass. Yes. We'll look at the box score and see the three picks, but it, that's First that of all, a lousy defensive performance. I'm with you. The three, the three picks is because he had to start throwing. He had to start taking chances in the second half. And one of the picks, the deep ball, I love Garrett Wilson, but he short-armed it and didn't want to get hit. If he made a play on that ball, it's pass interference. Or he didn't see the defender at the last second, and you just see he just short-armed it. The, the, the picks mean nothing in the second half when you're getting killed. They absolutely sure. they mean zero. They mean zero. Just like and Jet fans are the dumbest fans in the history of football. They just they need to freaking relax because Aaron Rodgers probably would have been zero two right now. Brees Hall doesn't run a ninety yard run. Brees Hall doesn't have the game he has if Aaron Rodgers is in that game. Yeah. You no. Know, I just they got to get rid of this coach. They got they got a very talented team, but they just don't know how to. They're playing a zone with Sauce Gardner. Why are you playing zone with Sauce Gardner? C.D. Lamb and Stefan Diggs have a combined 23 catches in two games. The best two receivers from both teams, 23 catches. If Sauce Gardner is playing them one-on-one, -on -one, they have five or six catches. Yep. Look, they're going to – and Vinny, as always, I, I appreciate the call, brother. Good to hear from you. Look, I, I, as we said the, you know, previously, it's, it's the same things over and over. Um, this is going to be – the type of season now without Aaron Rodgers where the Jets are going to have to lean number one on that running game and number two, the defense. And both were non-existent in Dallas. And that is not to say that the team they played is not good. This is a very, very good uh, Dallas Cowboy team. This is probably as cohesive a unit on both sides of the ball that Dallas has had in some time. Now, if they go full-blown Dallas Cowboy, recent history knows that they'll blow it somewhere where they generally have done that. And from a fan perspective, that being the team I despise the most in the world, I would love that. But when you look at the makeup of this team, Dallas is uh, um, uh, at the upper echelon. Philadelphia, Kansas City, San Francisco. Dallas is right there. Baltimore, if you want to put them in that mix. Maybe even a Miami team. We'll see. And I say we'll see because we're now three weeks in. Week three started last night. There's a lot of football to be played. You'd like to see some more creativity from the Jets? Sure. McCole Hardman, feed that ball to Brees Hall. Work on the outside. Get these guys involved that you brought in 
to specifically be creative. Hardman, Lazard, Cobb. Athletic tight ends who have good hands. You want to see that from this Jet team. You look around the rest of the league, it's been an, it's been an interesting start to this season. I'll tell you one of the big games, and I'm going to get into my weekly picks uh, segment momentarily. One of the bigger gains of this weekend for two teams that had pretty damn high hopes coming into the season, Vikings, Chargers, both 0-2. This is a big game. And I would say for this Minnesota team to start 0-3, you know, with a, with a lousy Chicago team, a Green Bay team we probably don't know all that much about yet. 0-3 might not be a death sentence. For the Chargers, it could be. With Kansas City, the Raiders. You got other teams at Denver. What might be, what potentially if a Denver team started playing up to do on paper potential could cause a lot of problems. Chargers start 0-3, massive issue. Now it's probably a team that's a little snake bit in the start of the year. 27-24, they lose week one in Tennessee. Then they lose 36-34 uh, at home to a, a team in Miami that everybody seems to love. So it's not like they're playing bad football. Just got to close these games out. Should have won week one against Tennessee and probably should have closed the door last week against Miami. So this game this week with Minnesota, L.A., is huge. And how about what's going on with Cleveland? Terrible look against the Steelers week two. And Deshaun Watson just continues to be a problem in more ways than one. You have all the off the field noise that still continues to surround him. I get it. A lot of that's been put to bed. Let's move on. He's back. There's It's, it's fine. But when you have that in your back pocket, and then the guy is putting his hands on officials, Opens the game with a pick six on the first offensive play of the game. Fumble return for a touchdown. Not good. And you look at the upcoming uh, upcoming schedule for the Browns. They're home for Tennessee. Then they're home for Baltimore. Then they have a bye. Then they got San Francisco. An up-and-coming Indianapolis team. And then you got to go to Seattle. No matter what you think of Seattle, it's never an easy place to play. So it could get ugly quick. For a Cleveland team who won by three scores to start the season over a Cincinnati team that a lot of people are once again high on because of the weaponry it has on offense. So there's a lot of intrigue, as there always is with the NFL, but the early storylines are there. It just depends on how you look at it. And we've got another big week coming up. You know, I pinpointed that Minnesota-LA game, but there's a lot going on um, throughout up and down this game. So let's start Thursday night in San Francisco, 30 to 12, we over the time. This score is not going to indicate how close the game was. First down game in the fourth quarter, Giants not able to close out. He's not going to on third down in the offensive line, as you heard me say again. Not my opinion. On half of his drop back, Jones was pressured. He had 2.2 seconds to get rid of the football. Warren Moon, Mike Vick, as I said last week, Pat Mahomes, Josh Allen, they're not doing anything with that either. So they've got to be better up front on both sides of the ball. you got to create the pressure, and you got to protect the QB. If they do that, they've got a quarterback who can win them games. Singularly less, Dan yes, Daniel Jones has to be better, but he's got to get that help up front. And right now, he's not getting it. You got Atlanta going to Detroit this week. Interesting game here. Real interesting game. And what I like about this game is a lot of people are high on this Detroit team. Rightfully so. Season opening victory against the Chiefs. Dan Campbell, the head coach, loves these guys. They get up and play for them. Tough loss week two. Atlanta comes into town. I'm going Detroit. I like Detroit this week. I think it's a solid pick. I think it's a relatively safe pick with the Lions going home uh, for their home opener. Buffalo goes to Washington. Washington 2-0, Buffalo 1-1, the season opening loss to the Jets. Now, Sam Howell and company, they've done a nice job protecting him, running the football with Brian Robinson. He's got good uh, Terry McLaurin. He's got good weapons on the outside. But I like Buffalo on the road here, rebounding from a, a lousy 
season opening performance in the road game against the Jets. Josh Allen writes to ship last week in a big victory. I think they do it again. I think Buffalo goes on the road to Washington and gets the W. Denver goes to Miami. I'm all over Miami here. This Denver team does have talent, but it's just not materializing. And it's not a team that I'm ready to take seriously, but I am taking the Miami Dolphins extremely seriously. From top to bottom, they're well coached. They've got a creative head coach in Mike McDaniel and a healthy Tua Tugabailoa. Oh, by the way, Tyreek Hill and a healthy Raheem Mostert. Good football team. Give me Miami. Houston going to Jacksonville. This is something that's going to be slow to develop for D'Amico Ryans in Houston. He was clearly the right guy for this job. He's He's got this team ready to play. Talent-wise, it's not just there, and they're not going to beat Jacksonville in Jacksonville with ETN and Lawrence seemingly once again on the same page. Evan Ingram has found a nice spot in Jacksonville. He's a reliable target for Lawrence. I'm all over the Jags this week. Indy goes to Baltimore. No Anthony Richardson this week. I like Lamar Jackson and company to keep it going. Uh, This Ravens team, don't sleep on them. I know they have the problems in the backfield with J.K. Dobbins out for the year, but this is a good Baltimore team, especially when Lamar is playing MVP caliber football. Give me the Ravens. Chargers, go to Minnesota. You know, Kirk Cousins off to a good year, again, from a yardage and point perspective, especially if you're into the fantasy aspect. I'm going Herbert to get off the schneid this week. This Charger team is simply better than Minnesota, regardless of where the game is. With the loss, Minnesota drops to 0-3. Chargers get on the board. Give me the Chargers on the road. Pats go to the Jets. Now, the Jets have not been successful in this series in recent time, in the regular season. Pats come in as one of those teams you're looking at. Well, they Ramondre Stevenson in the backfield off to a nice start. He's got good tight end. Hunter Henry, Kendrick Bourne had a nice uh, start to the season. And then you got the Jets. Jets defense shows up in a game like this. They're good enough to literally carry the New York Jets to a victory. I don't, however, see that happening this week. Give me the Patriots on the road at MetLife. Close. You'd like to see that, again, that creative aspect of opening the playbook for the Jets. But I like the Pats uh, this week coming to MetLife and beating the Jets. Saints go to Green Bay. Give me Green Bay there. Jordan Love rebounding after his first loss as a starter. Tennessee goes to Cleveland. I'm going Tennessee here. I Just after what you saw last week against Pittsburgh, just bad football if you watch the game, all right? If you if you watched any semblance of that game, particularly from the quarterback perspective, not good. Not good at all. This Cleveland Browns team just isn't very good, all right? Maybe that was a fluke week one against Cincinnati. Maybe the Bengals just aren't that good. It's early in this season, but right now at one and one, the way they looked against Pittsburgh, it's hard to take the Browns seriously. Give me the Titans on the road. Carolina, no Bryce Young, goes to Seattle. I like Seattle there. I know Geno Smith hasn't been great, but I like them at home. And then Chicago goes to KC. I'll take KC at home. Big favorite. It was 12 and a half last I checked. I like the Chiefs outright. Dallas is going to Arizona. They'll keep it rolling. I expect the boys to go to 3-0. Pitt on the road. They go to Vegas. I'll take the Raiders. I like the Raiders there. I like the Eagles going to Tampa Bay in a matchup of 2-0 teams. And then I do like Cincinnati at home on Monday night over the Rams. Rams playing pretty good football, but you know what? I'll take a chance here. I'll trust Joe Burrow at home to give Cincinnati the Monday night victory, and they need it over a Rams team that's playing good on both sides of the ball. It's been fun to watch. Um, offensively, Matthew Stafford's got a little swag as he works with his young wide receiver core. I've been a fan of this. I'm just going to go with Burrow and company this time around. So give me Cincinnati Monday night over the Rams. Hit subscribe and don't miss the next episode. Sports Today with Peter J. Yeah, you can subscribe across all platforms, uh, iTunes, TuneIn, Spotify, right here on Podbean. That continues to do a great job. Have eclipsed all-time downloads, over 100,000 on all platforms. That's huge. That's monumental. 
That is exceeding the expectations. Could not have done that uh, without the continued support um, of all the listeners and followers on social media and whatnot. So, again, as big as the week coming up, and every week of the NFL is big, week four in college football is what you dream about. Marquee games, you've got seven monster contests in week four. The premier game, college game day, will be there tomorrow in South Bend. Number six, Ohio State goes to number nine, Notre Dame. It's under the lights, prime time, 7.30. NBC anchors the coverage. Notre Dame hasn't won a game in this contest in 1936. They've only played seven times. Ohio State's five and two. They played last year at the shoe, 21-10 Ohio State. There's a recipe to success here. You keep hearing the question, can Notre Dame beat Ohio State? Well, can Ohio State beat Notre Dame? No one seems to want to ask that question. Ohio State's three-point favorite. They probably should be the favorite. Michigan's given blueprints on how to beat this Ohio State team, and Notre Dame's got it. You beat them up front and you hit them in the mouth. Time of possession is going to be essential for Notre Dame offensively. You've got to be able to control the clock here. And the beauty of this for this Notre Dame team this time around, outside of the Sterling play of Sam Hartman, 13 touchdowns, no picks. And you can lean on him from a veteran leadership perspective. Notre Dame's up front, their offensive line, amongst the best in the country. And right now, the nation's leading rusher, Audra Gestime, out of the backfield. That's how you chew clock. If you run the ball successfully, you open the door for play action. That's not specific to any team. That's the game of football. And Notre Dame is very good with that play-action game. No one's got a better deep ball, at least from what I've seen a month in, than Sam Hartman. If you want to take the bend-but-don't-break approach defensively, you've got Marvin Harrison Jr. and Amika Ibuka, the wideouts for Ohio State, their top 15 picks. Harrison's going to go in the top three. Ibuka could crack probably the top 10 or 12. And then if you limit the running back, Travion Henderson, downhill, not lateral, that's typically his game. There's your path for Notre Dame. This is an elevated team. They're up for this contest. And you see a little more confidence, not pompous, and swag with this team with Marcus Freeman because he clearly cares about the kids off the field, and they get up to want to play for this guy. I mean, this is as premier as it gets between two legitimate top 10, possibly top five teams with Ohio State and Notre Dame. And the lead up to it is going to be fantastic. I think Notre Dame's able to get it done. It would be obviously the biggest win in Marcus Freeman's now two years at the helm of this program. And it'll be amongst the biggest victories for Notre Dame over the last 10, 15 years, without question. Games leading up to that, you've got Ole Miss going to Tuscaloosa to battle Alabama in a bout between top 15 teams. 3.30 East, CBS has the coverage. Seven straight wins in this series for Alabama. Ole Miss has it won since 2015. Alabama's got the quarterback uh, carousel going, if you will. They're not overly happy with their offensive coordinator, Tommy Reese, down there. They've gone back to Jalen Milrow. Give me Ole Miss in this game. Mississippi's going to put up points. Jackson Dart, the quarterback, can just sling it. Alabama's going to have to match them. Can they? You don't ask that question too often. But I think that's the scenario facing this Bama team. I like Ole Miss going on the road, snapping the seven-game losing streak to Alabama. UCLA, number 22, goes to number 11, Utah. Utah's won five of the last six. They played against UCLA, but UCLA got them by 10 last year in Pasadena. This game is Saturday, 3.30 East. Um, Fox has the coverage. I like Utah in this game. There's moxie on this team. We've seen them win tight games a la the Baylor game in Texas. Granted, this is a Baylor team that struggled out of the gates to the tune of a 1-2 and record. But to go out there 
in Waco and win a game like that, that's tough-minded. This is a battle-tested team. They're going to get a Chip Kelly offense. But a Kyle Winningham defense, I think, will be up for the task. I like Utah here. Colorado, number 19 in the country. They've been the darling of the media uh, since basically Dion took the job, and he's done a great job of that. They go to number 10, Oregon. Now, Colorado's got a season-opening victory over TCU already, but this will be Prime and company's first real test. 3.30 kick, ABC. This is a Colorado team that's been bad leading up to this season. One win last year. They haven't beaten Oregon since 20-16. to 16. And if you add up the 2019, 21, and 22 contests, all wins in this series by Oregon, it was to the tune of a total score of 146-42, to 42, including 49-10 last year. That's domination. Now, Colorado's got the three wins under its belt. TCU, obviously, Nebraska, and Colorado State. But the challenge now for Colorado, because if there's a glaring issue with this team, it is defensively. Can they stop Bo Nix, the former Auburn quarterback who's now playing at Oregon? If you're able to limit him and let Shador Sanders do his thing on, on the other side of the ball for Colorado, They'll have a shot. Oregon's a monster favorite in this game. I think the Ducks will win at home. But I think it's going to be a hell of a lot closer than a lot of people think. I don't I don't think Oregon's going to blow the doors off of Colorado. Will they win by 10? Sure. Not the 20 and a half or whatever the line was last time I looked. Give me Oregon outright, but it's closer than people think. Iowa goes to Penn State. 7.30 CBS. The last two matchups between these two teams have gone to Iowa. I just don't see it happening this time. I like Penn State. Picked them to win the Big Ten. I know I'm out on a limb there with Ohio State and Michigan, but I like this Penn State team. We'll learn a lot more about them tomorrow night. Oregon State, DJ Uyunglele and company, number 14 in the nation, go to number 21, Washington State. This is truly Oregon State's first real game of the season, if you will. Washington State's already beaten then-ranked number 19, Wisconsin, uh, earlier in the month. This is a tall order for Oregon State. I like Washington State at home, 7 o'clock Eastern time on uh, Fox. I'm going to go Washington State by a score. Close, but Wazoo gets it done. And then you've got earlier in the day, noon, ABC. Number four, Florida State, who escaped Boston College a week ago. Goes to unranked Clemson. When's the last time we had unranked and Clemson back-to-back in the same sentence? Now, this is a series that has been dominated by Clemson. They've won seven in a row and eight of 11, including 34-28 last season in Tallahassee. A lot of people are all over this Clemson team and Dabo Swinney. And man, for all the good he's done at Clemson, Dabo probably could use this win. I just don't see it happening. I think this is Mike Norvell, after the thumping of LSU, really solidifying this FSU team. They go into Clemson and get the victory. And it ain't an easy place to play in Death Valley. This Florida State team has won games with Norvell time and time again. I think they'll go into the Valley this time, noon on Saturday, and get the W. Folks, this is a huge week of college football. It doesn't get much bigger than this, this early in the season. But man, between Ohio State, Notre Dame, Ole Miss, Alabama, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon State, Washington State, Florida State, Clemson, this is what you want at this point in the season. And that's the rundown in the world of college football. Before we wrap up, we got our buddy Joe Jett online. Joe, what's up, pal? Hey, Peter. How's it going, man? How's everything? What's going on, dude? Good to hear from you. Yeah, thanks, man. Uh, you know, just before we get to the Jet Patriot game here, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I really want to go over a couple of things. And as far as the Jets going into Dallas and losing, we were on last week. I knew this was a rough spot. It was a big sandwich game between Buffalo and New England. You know what? They went in there. They got spanked, whatever. Dallas is very good, by the way. Yeah, as you know, as a Giant fan, they're very good, it looks like, yeah, this year. they are. Fine. Fine. You know, this game on Sunday for this New York Jet team is one of the biggest games I could remember in quite some time, and for a lot of reasons. Obviously, they've lost 14 straight to this team. Robert Sala has lost four straight in his tenure as a head coach. If they want to have any season, they have to win this game because it won't look good with Kansas City coming in next weekend. And then they got they, they got to go to Denver and then the Eagles. They will spiral into the abyss should they lose this game Sunday. When is it going to end and we get by this Patriot team, Peter? And you know what? You're right with that. That's a great point with the scheduling. Home for the Patriots, home for the Chiefs, at Denver, home Philly, bye, and then home Giants. Uh, on at the Well, effectively, it's a, it's a road game for the Jets against the Giants. Not easy. You could solve a lot of problems by riding the ship from a week ago against the Patriots team who probably, you know, the Patriots don't really have that quintessential identity, at least yet. We know they want to run the football. If the Jet defense shows up, they can make life hell for this Pats team. That's what, you know, we're all saying the same thing. Run the ball, run the ball. And, of course, I want to run the ball. But there comes a time, Peter, and especially in this day and age, they're hip to it. They're going to stack guys in that box, and they're going to force Zach Wilson to go out and throw the football. We know what's going to happen. Yep. And, and it's just as if he can do it or not. And just, you know, I want to say something about this head coach who you know that how I felt about this guy, my jury is still out on Robert Sala in his third season. By the way, Peter, I don't know if your fans who are listening know this. He is 12 and 24, okay, as the Jets head coach. So Not what you I'm, want. I'm, yes, I'm starting... You know, is he developing guy? Can he develop players? Mm-hmm. I know he's good on the defensive side of the ball, and that's his forte, so to speak. But there comes a time where I got to go, is this the guy that can get this job done for this team? And I, I again, as, as I said to a previous call of Vinny, you know, still a lot of football left in the season. But if you're not showing the ability to, you know, change on the fly, become creative, adapt, and losing Rodgers, things like that have happened before. Teams have figured it out. Um, quarterbacks have gone down and teams have still been successful. If the defense isn't up to the challenge, you know, changes are going to have to be made. And I, and that's why I agree with you, Joe, because this de- Jet defense, in theory, should be good enough to help them win games like they're going to play Sunday against the Pats. Yes, I agree. And I want to also bring Hackett into this for a second. Okay, let's all understand something. All Jet fans right now who are listening to your show, this guy Hackett was brought in here for one reason only, Mm -hmm. to coach Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's not – and now he's thrown Zach Wilson, and he doesn't even know what to do with this kid who's on a – who is limited. Let's face it. So I'm not jumping down Hackett's throat because I know what he was brought here for. We all do. Him and Rodgers were the one-two combination, and now he's got to try and work with Zach Wilson. And by the way, the, the, the Zach Wilson thing is wearing very thin on me. His performances, he has a bad game this week, Peter. They might have to go out and get a quarterback. You can't go 14 more games to see if Zach Wilson plays bad this Sunday. Yeah, I I think it was eye-opening how bad that Jet defense was where he might get a little bit of a pass, especially trying to make up a deficit. But if it's close and they're leaning on him and he can't deliver, how much longer do you go? You know, you, you probably you have the urge for a, a quarterback, you know, now. The problem is their head coach has said he's the guy now. So if a change is going to be made, 
It's not going to be this week. It's not going to be, you know, 48 hours or whatever it might be, less than that before they kick off with the Patriots. Might it be the week after? Who knows? What's available? What do they want to do? What do they want to spend? You're probably going to be sitting here uh, with Zach Wilson as your quarterback for a while. Wow. Wow. You know, and listen, it's not like Jet fans aren't pulling for this kid. We've been pulling for him for over two years. You know, he... If he's not, if and a game like this, Peter, this is going to be his biggest game yet. This is a must win against the evil empire, Belichick. Jets can go to two and one with two wins in the division. This is a big time game, and he has to show that he can step up in a big spot. Well, listen, uh, Joe, uh, again, I always appreciate the call, brother. We'll, we'll see. I mean, we one way or the other, uh, and again, great to hear from our buddy Joe Jet. We're, we'll see, right? We're going to learn, uh, like it or lump it, if Zach Wilson is the guy. Uh, he plays well, great. Jets defense got to back him up, got to do a better job up front. But yeah, Wilson, you know, like Daniel Jones too. We all know Jones isn't being protected, but there are moments where he has to be better, and the Jets are going to need the same thing um, from Zach Wilson, who. It, in his career as a starter, numbers-wise, against AFC East, eh, eh, not not what gets you jacked up when you get out of bed in the morning. Uh, with that being said, I'm going to put a bow on this edition of Sports Today with Peter J. Tune in next Friday, Ryder Cup edition. Right, The Ryder Cup is underway from Italy. A golf course, they're going to have these greens like lightning. For this Ryder Cup, September 29th, it it boots off, runs three days through um, October 1st. It's going to be an electrifying atmosphere. This is going to be, we think and we hope, one of those Ryder Cups that we remember for a very, very long time. With that being said, thank you to all the callers, uh, everybody uh, who continues to chime in uh, in the online chat room for the live shows and then sending me messages via Instagram, Twitter. Of course, you can subscribe across all platforms. Sports Today with Peter J. We're on Spotify, iTunes, uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, TuneIn and iHeartRadio, all across the board. And, of course, right here on Podbean. I'll see you next Friday, seven days from now, the 29th of September. Enjoy the games this weekend, folks. And as always, as always, go Irish. Sports Today with Peter J.